Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, hey, hey. It's uh, Wednesday night, August 28th, and this is Common Law Wise Words uh, getting started for the evening. I see Shaman's already on, so I'm going to go ahead and unmute him. And this evening, we will be cutting the show a little short because there is something that we have to to get to. Um, there's some, something that we have to handle pretty immediately, so we're going to call the show probably about 10.30, 10.45. And... Uh, so yeah, with that being said, I say we go ahead and get the show started and and um, see what's going on. So Gus Force says hello all. Glad to see another show for this evening, and we're glad to be here and glad that people are here to listen. Because without the audience, we uh, probably wouldn't continue doing this too long. What do you think, Shaman? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that would be the case. <laughs> that that would be like a showstopper. <laughs> so, how you doing? Me or guest four? No, I was asking you. <laughs> I'm all right. I've had kind of a weird day, but it's all right. Yeah, wasn't there uh, something you were wanting to kind of talk about this evening with the uh, state and the church and usurpation? And... Yeah, it was just really brief. We went to uh, one of my wife's friend's wedding. I'm not going to use her name. Um, and when we were there, of course, I've been trying to kind of share with my wife what going on and the different essentially the different governments or kingdoms and how uh, you know of course we all know ecclesiastical law is the highest law in the land and uh, so you know, they're going through this the wedding spiel there he says all this that and the other thing and at the very end of it he says okay now by the powers vested in me by the Constitution and the state of the Tennessee I now pronounce you man and wife and I just kind of shook my head, and I leaned into my wife, and I said, that's funny, because I thought Yahweh started the matrimony thing. And, uh, you know, I've been trying to kind of convey to her and others, of course, like we do, that, you know, there's literally a difference between matrimony and marriage and how, you know, essentially the governments have usurped the churches through volunteerism, through offering of trinkets and benefits and proceed benefits and this and that. And you're supposed to be a man of God saying his power and authority comes from the state. And that shows you right there that it's not a church of the creator. And another way you know that is like if anybody 
if you were in a foreign country or if you were somewhere on an island or something like that and uh, you walked around the corner, say you were in France and you walked around the corner uh, around the hedgerow and you looked over and you saw a fence and inside that fence you saw an American flag, you would automatically know that that was, you know, sovereign United States territory, maybe a base or something like that that the France was allowing them to use. And uh, so you look at most of the modern churches today and what do you see flying over the Christian flag, which they shouldn't have that either, but it's an American flag. It tells you it's their fort. Their, it's their territory. And so I just I thought that was really ironic and... Uh, pretty cool for an example for her and others to kind of hear and hear and tell about and uh and of course that brought me to that guy on facebook that i was talking to you about you know where you you've also said in the past you've never filled out an irs form and that's why there's no joinder there and all these people are walking around using all these fancy terms like agent and principal and this and that and the person and it's not the man but you get pulled over on the side of the street uh, by a cop for speeding, uh, he's not going to care about agent, principal, man, person. You're getting a ticket or you're going to jail. So just imagine if everybody just realized didn't utilize those perceived benefits and slowly we retossed society that they didn't have to have permission of these people and they didn't have joinder. And by doing that, they didn't uh, subjugate themselves or make themselves subject to the jurisdiction thereof and slowly but surely people would win their freedom back and they'd realize they wouldn't do it by fighting but they would do it by not participating yeah actually speaking of the church thing i, I have an example of that and i also have another example of something i found out this past week that i thought was kind of interesting getting back to uh the citizen of the united states but um, going with the church and marriage, uh, when I was getting divorced, and of course the the judge, the man sitting up on the bench when I was getting divorced, he he was pretty well aware of who I was, and so he did some interesting things in the case. But um, you know, when he actually granted the divorce, he said something really interesting, and what he said was, uh, "Okay, I'm I'm going to grant." you know, the divorce to the full extent of my power. And so I grant you a statutory divorce, you know, and what, what he was basically saying was, you know, the only thing that he could do is grant a statutory divorce that was more or less given by the state or ordained by the state and that it wasn't within his power to, to grant an actual for lack of a better term, common law divorce um, or a matrimonial divorce that, you know, that was not within his scope or authority. And I thought that was pretty interesting. And the attorney that I had thought it was really interesting too, because he'd never heard a family court judge say anything like that. And of course he practices in family court law. Um, so, and just so that everybody knows, the only reason I, I got an attorney was to to go for custody. Um, otherwise, I, I probably would not have gone with the route with an attorney because of it was administrative, as Money Mike 5000 just pointed out. <laughs> Anyways, um, the other thing I wanted to talk about <laughs> was uh, this past week, 
and you're welcome money mike uh was this past week i i just learned for the first time that there were um there were draft riots in new york city at the time of the civil war and that was the second largest insurrection other than the civil war that has happened in the history of the united states and it's really interesting because it was somewhat race driven uh kind of like the race riots in chicago in the early 1900s but one of the things that happened was uh you had a whole lot of immigrants coming over from ireland and germany and they were trying to get factory jobs in new york and of course they were all white and when they got off of the boat um you know they basically signed them up for citizenship and they also signed them up to uh you know basically to register with the draft and uh because they were a citizen and so because there was a draft if they had if they got a good factory job which factory jobs back then probably weren't too good then they would have to give up their factory job and and go face down a barrel of a gun or a barrel of a cannon for a living which if you had a family and wife and kids that probably wouldn't sound so pleasant to yourself and uh of course with the emancipation proclamation um you know they they freed black slaves or black people but uh they still weren't considered citizens of the united states so of course since they weren't considered citizens of the united states they couldn't apply the same acts of congress that allowed the drafts to happen to uh black people so the way the white immigrants who were getting off the boat more or less looked at it is that they had a right to to work in these factories yet because they were white they're getting shipped off to to fight a war that they really didn't care about and man of civics said uh like in the movie gangs of new york and it's kind of interesting he says that because it was watching the movie gangs of new york that actually got me interested in the subject and yeah, I was getting ready to I was getting ready to mention gangs in New York when they were taking them off the boat and handing them the uniform. <laughs> uh, yeah, so so when I was watching that, like uh, I I actually wanted to see how historically accurate the the riots were, and of course, um, gangs of New York kind of over portrays, I guess, because in that movie they show like the United States Navy firing cannons into the streets of New York and and obviously that didn't happen but they did impose martial law and come down with uh with a military like a militia and a federal I think they had um two two or maybe three companies of federal troops yeah I don't remember the number but they did send them in for sure so, but the thing that I thought was most interesting doing the research is that, you know, if, if you weren't a United States citizen, that didn't apply to you. So if you would have gotten off the boat and you didn't apply for citizenship, which would have never happened because of course they had Ellis Island where everybody would go to Ellis Island and get off and they had to more or less apply and register before they would bring them over to the mainland. And the reason why they did that is because, of course, it's all maritime law. Like, that's why they kept it 
on uh, on a uh, yeah on an island, and of course well, and the Statue of Liberty is on an island too. Uh, yeah, and and Statue of Liberty, so like uh, Liberty, and I'm sure that anybody listening to to this show, uh, especially if they've listened for a while, but li- Liberty and Freedom doesn't mean the same thing. Liberty literally means shore leave. So like if you're in the Navy or something and uh, y'all go to a port or a harbor, you're at liberty if you're allowed to leave the Navy base and go out and interact with the rest of the society of that city. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's that's what liberty means is, is shore leave. It's, it's like you have freedom to go and interact with the rest of the city, but then you gotta come back and do whatever we tell you to do. <laughs> Cause you're in the Navy and you signed, you signed your soul away when you registered, <laughs> unless you got drafted. <laughs> they don't hide it. That's the thing too, like, uh, and I'm not, you know, trying to make it a Bible night or nothing, but it's kind of interesting. Of course, we know what Black's Law says about the church, but if you don't mind, I'd like to read uh, part of Second Peter, and it says in our First Peter two nine, it says, "But you have been a, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation." He calls them a nation. He calls, oh, well, he calls those that are his a nation. It is a separate nation of the earth. That's why he says, you know, come out of her, my people, be a peculiar people. You know, he wants us people to be different. He wants people who follow the law and follow him to be different people than the world. You know, be in the world, but not of it. Something's got to set us apart. Something makes us peculiar. Like, people should look at us and go, man. Of course, a lot of them do look at us and think, man, what the hell's wrong with those people? But, uh. It just shows you how far down the pike it is. Because I guarantee you, John, if I had went up to that preacher, I don't care how nice I would have been or how courteous or informative, I'm 99% sure he would not listen to me about what he had just said. Would You know what I mean? Uh, Most of yeah, them and that's because they, they got their system, you know, and... And they have their kind of program that that they run with, and you know, like I mean, it's kind of like the government. Like you can't go into court and and tell a judge what real law is and have him acknowledge it. Um, you know, I mean, they they almost never acknowledge it. Sometimes they'll uphold it and uh, things like that, but they'll never say, "Oh yeah, you know, you got the answer to the law." And they even know. You know, um, I would say that most preachers, they don't know. They've just been taught, like, this is what what people do. This is the status quo. Yep. Did I mute myself again? No, okay. No, no I, I just <clears throat> got to answer somebody's text real quick. Well, I'll tell you, like it used to be, you could argue cognitive dissonance or perhaps Stockholm Syndrome, but I promise you, in my opinion, I think most of the people are both. 
I think it's gotten so bad that people are just terrified. And there's the Stockholm Syndrome. They think if they lick boots, they'll be good. And at the other end of it, they can't believe. Like we were talking the other day about uh, that some people can, they're just, their minds aren't that deviant. And they cannot believe there's people that sit around and think of this magnitude and this level of ways to try to enslave humanity. And I think it is hard for people to comprehend just how twisted it is. Yeah, well, I mean, the system that we live under, it's been being conscripted and put together, you know, for a really long time. Like, when I was first getting into law and seeing all of the different persons and how schizophrenic it is and uh, kind of insane, and how much thought went into creating the birth certificate, the social security number, all of these different persons and corporate forms and fictions. You know, like I was absolutely kind of blown away by who would ever, you know, spend so much time to actually think about how to put a system together like that until I kind of realized that it was put together slowly over a really long time, over hundreds of years. And then if you look at it and think back and and read the Bible, I mean, really the same system was kind of put into place back in the time of Christ. You know, in a lot of ways, what he was facing back then, um, because they had Roman citizens and they had different levels of personage. uh, And, if you weren't a citizen, you basically had no rights. Yep. So, and I see that uh, Stan is on is on the call this evening. It's been a couple of weeks since we've seen you around, Stan. How you doing? Yeah, I'm doing well, man. Doing well. Give me give me a minute. I'm gonna help bring some groceries in. I'll be right back. Oh, all right. That's cool, man. So and it's kind of funny how, like, the idea of citizen or civitus has kind of switched position. Like, back in the Roman times, if you weren't a citizen, you didn't have any rights. And now today, it's like, if you're a citizen, you don't really have rights. You have privileges <laughs> and immunities. <laughs> Hey John. Yes, sir. I'm gonna send you. A, I'm gonna send you a <clears throat> text. Check it. So, uh, just so everyone knows, if you raise your hand, we will unmute you and you can join in on the conversation. If you don't have a microphone, you can always uh, you can always write something up in the chat, and you know we'll we'll probably talk about it. No. All right, I'm back. Oh, what's up, brother man? What's up, man? I'm chilling, chilling. Long time no hear from. Right? Yeah, I heard you've been working like 12-hour shifts. 
Uh, 14-hour shift, seven days a week, 96 hours a week. It's been mad work. Mm, yeah, that's that sounds like it. So what you were saying earlier, man, um, what I understand was it was like um, citizen in the Roman times was more like um, being like a stockholder. Like if they took over another society or they found like gold in a mountain or something like that, everybody got like a cut of it that was a citizen. Does that sound right? Mm, I don't know, but I mean, honestly, if you think about it today, a citizen still kind of like a stockholder. I mean, it's like people talk about, uh, you know, when this country was founded, only white land earning men were citizens. And that's basically because they were the only ones who had any interest in, in where the nation was going to, you know, because uh, basically the, the United States of America was just an entity that kind of traded with the outside world. And of course, all of the rich land-earning white people were the ones who produced the goods and the materials to trade with. I agree. Um, I, I'm just I'm just trying to take the archetypes of like Greece and early early Rome. Um, as as they ventured out and as they had conquests, the citizens shared in the profit of what the government was doing and. Not everybody was a citizen. It was a very few. In fact, I think it was in Rome, it was two-thirds and three-quarters were slaves. So there was a very few amount of people that shared in the profits of what the corporation was doing, to where most of the people that lived in the area were um, capitalized upon. Yeah, well, and I mean, I know that, like, uh, there was a huge section of the Roman society that weren't slaves, or citizens, you know, because um, there were free people who who weren't, you know, they didn't have owners, but at the same time, <clears throat> they didn't have the rights and and property of a of a citizen of Rome or the the I guess kind of privilege, because of course the citizen of Rome could travel all throughout Rome. Um, one thing I do know. And so I don't know much about like uh, the actual sharing or how they distributed whatever wealth. I do know that the Senate and the Caesar usurped a lot of it. Uh, but one thing that I did find interesting about Rome is that they never had a tax higher than about 3%. So I know that if you were a, a Roman citizen, like you had enough assets, you had enough land, and property to where they taxed you every year. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think I think the people you're talking about where you call them free but not part of the citizenry or slaves, weren't they referred to as the pagans, the country folk that would come in and out of the city? No, but I think they were like a plea, like a pleian or something. Uh, a pleaing, huh? Valerian? I don't remember. Can you spell that at all? It's like P-L-A, like P-L-E-A-D-E -E or something, or like P-L-E-A-D-E-S, something to that effect. 
Let me try and look it up on on the internet. Sounds like you're saying Pleiadian. No. <laughs> would that would that be like pleb, like commoner? Yeah, like a pleb. Like oh, I plebeian. think that was it. Plebeian, huh? commoners, plebeian. How do you spell it? Let me check. Hold on. Yeah, it looks like B E I A N. Well, a pleb. commoner. Okay, I so plebeian. P L E B E I A N. In ancient Rome, a commoner. And that's the same way we say it today. Like uh, we say plebs or commoners, or um, like in Latino countries, they'd be like plebes, my plebes, which means my fellow you know, common folk that's not family. Yeah, so they, they were free Romans that I'm guessing who were not really citizens. Uh, didn't they have to serve so much years in the military before they could get their citizenry? I'm pretty sure that's how they did a lot. Worth your weight in salt? Do what? Worth your weight in salt? Yep. I know a lot of them, they put that's one of the ways they got the military conscription. They would get, or uh, not conscription, but service. They would get them in. They'd be like, look, you know, if you, you know, they may even conquer an area and say, if you want to be a, a citizen, you serve for so long and, after that, then you can get land and do this and do that. Yeah, I do know that uh, people who served in the service, that was one of the things that they would do was give away land, but typically not like European land. They would generally give them lands in which they conquered elsewhere. Uh, another interesting fact is, you know, the uh, expression, uh, too poor to not have a pot to piss in? Like you're so poor, you don't have a pot to piss in. Yeah. Uh, okay. Really so, yeah. So that actually comes from old Roman times because people would piss in pots and they would get paid to go put their urine in fields where they would uh, extract the ammonia, like let all the liquid evaporate and they would get the ammonia out of it. Oh, you probably do know about this, huh? You probably know about it better than I do. <laughs> yep, I see in fields all yeah, the time. They would also do it by rendering bones. R rendering bones. Rendering bones. You know armor hot dogs? Uh yeah. Remember armor hot dogs back in the day? They were one of the leading producers of ammonia because they would do it by rendering the bones of the cattle that they hadn't you know, they slaughtered. And I actually have heard what you're talking about, but I'm not very familiar in the Roman technique of rendering, uh, and it probably wouldn't be ammonia, it would probably be urea from urine. And it was probably used as a cleaning or disinfectant. 
Yeah, I know that it was used as a cleaning and disinfectant. Another thing that they got out of it was salt. So, but basically, uh, I guess kind of the point of it was if you just had a pot, like all you had to do was pee and you could get a little bit of money. So if you were too poor to have a pot, like, you know, you couldn't, you literally couldn't piss just to go get some money for, you know, a piece of bread or something. Although my guess would be is that you have to supply a lot of pee to get a loaf of bread. I, I'm sure they didn't pay much. I do, oh, I do know a lot of it went into these streets. They would pour out the windows and whatever. There was gutters that were like feces and urine gutters that would lead away from the cities and the aqueducts that would lead, lead into the cities and the water would wash in and wash out. I don't know, man, but I'll tell you what, the show's, the show's starting to go somewhere and we're, all we're talking about is pee. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're taking a turn for the worst, man. <laughs> yeah, it's me. Welcome back, me. Hey, there is like uh, a little controversial thing that I'd like to talk about, but it has a deeper meaning. So if everybody can get past the controversy, it's actually a pretty neat way of looking at it. <gasps> Unless we're going to stay on the urine topic. Oh no, go ahead. No, you can change topic. I'm past So there's this so there's this Netflix uh show that I started watching with my wife. It's a space show called Another Life. And when they start the show, there's a character on there. I mean it's got some good good actors in it. And uh one of the characters they bring in, you can't tell if it's a woman or a man. Um so I Google I had to Google it. And the character is actually a tranny from uh, Australia. And then they've got these other, you know, obviously there's a crew. And uh, as the show progresses, it starts kind of degrading. It's a, it's a, the, the plot is good, but it starts focusing on these counterpoints, which I don't particularly care for. So the first thing it touches is this homosexual relationship. Oh, and then one of the characters is AI virtual reality computer simulation, where the when the you know the computer actually projects itself as a person and walks around the ship and talks to everybody, and you really can't tell the difference between him and the, the members of the crew. So throughout this thing, you know, you have these natural relationships, and then you have the skewed, from my point of view, skewed relationship of the homosexual relationship. And then uh, then it gets into this other guy's on there, and there's this, there's this really pretty girl, and there's two other guys, and they both dig her. She's like, well, why don't you both just kiss me? And so she starts kissing them, and so now you have, and then she pushes the two men together, and now you've got that going on. And then it the this other guy and the tranny start kissing, and then the, the captain of the ship, which is a female, has a virtual reality relationship the with the AI. And I'm sitting there watching this with my wife, and it's kind of just pissing me off, to be honest, because it's, it's like, okay, you know, I understand people. And I know I have people I know that are my friends that are gay. Um, so it's not like, you know, I don't agree with the lifestyle, and they know that. 
but I don't bash them or anything. You know, everybody has a choice, but it, you know, you don't have to cram it down everybody's throat. And that's what I feel like the show's starting to do. But even beyond that, now we've gotten past the maybe I pissed somebody off point, but really wasn't designed to. But think about something. So if you if you believe in the whole Yahweh created male and female, which makes perfect sense because that's how you can procreate the earth. So it makes natural sense that that's where he started, right? And you look at what the, we'll just say, the Illuminati people are trying to do. Think about what that show's done. It has erased the natural state of man, not only in a sexual way, in a societal way, but what are they always trying to push in these shows? Uh, Terminator, I mean, Transcendence, all these different shows, is they're literally trying to erase the natural created man and mix or replace him with AI technology. And if you think about what this show is trying to do, and if it, in projection, right, television projects, to a really weak mind, it would almost eradicate the line of reality and falsity and normal, abnormal, uh, accepted behaviors or, and or the technology mixture. So I just thought it was kind of, it leaves you in a state of um, confusion if you don't know what you're looking for. If you're a kid watching that, you wouldn't have any foundation. It, it would just be kind of all over the map. And, of course, that's my personal view. It does not represent JC or anybody else on the show. I just thought that the, uh, the AI thing was actually the most interesting because it literally showed normal world mixing with an AI world like it was just normal, like it was just everyday occurrence. I just thought that was pretty interesting. I've watched the same series as far as it's gone. Um, Yo, you know I'm what I'm talking about, huh? Part. I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, Do you I agree with my surmation? Um, I'm not as against people having the relationships that they have. Like, I don't really give a fuck. But what, you know, like, I, I think it's actually natural when a um, society becomes uh, past their ability to um, live naturally and breed within their resources that they find relationships outside of that. You look at the Greeks, you look at the Romans, you look at them that uh, had so many people past, they don't need to breed anymore, so the, the relationships go past that. For me, it's not for me. But for other people, let them be as they wish to be. It doesn't bother me. Um, even, even to the AI. Um, that's another really weird thing is like, what is self-aware? Like, I thought that character was excellent, that it became self-aware. It didn't want to become self-aware. It was just mimicking. And then at one point in the series, like halfway through, it stopped mimicking, mimicking and started being. Like, I thought that was a pretty yeah. interesting dynamic. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I thought it was pretty – and what was really fascinating is when he created that other simulation. And that that simulation didn't want to be deleted him. either. Yep. I thought that was so, really okay. interesting because, like, it's really a part of himself, yet he couldn't control it. And it was interesting they made it the feminine part, too. 
and it was his child. Yep. So to speak, you know what I mean? And like, okay, so you create a set of awareness. I mean, what does it matter if you create it on computer, if you could create it with uh, another woman as a child, or you create it as a as as, as a dog? Like, they're as all going to have their own set of a, a dog, um, a cat. I don't care. Like any other set of awareness, that's a set of eyes outside of yours that starts being sentient to itself. Where does life start and where does life stop? It's a really weird well, thing. Um, well, an AI simulation is not life. But the other thing you got to think about is, <clears throat> I mean, of course, now we get into spiritualness, right? AI is not going to have a soul if it's not created by the creator know? of all things. Because it wasn't created by the creator you? of all things. Did the creator create you? Of course. Okay, did you create a son or a daughter? Nope. Okay, well, you didn't. Do people create something? No, I have a daughter, but I didn't create her. Okay. You sure to create did. something, I mean, you're, you're let's define creation. Influential. Hold on, let's define creation. Creation is taking nothing and making something out of it, and that's not what I did. Okay. I took yeah, something yeah, I okay. had and manipulated it and invented something. Actually, I didn't even invent her because I didn't even come up with the idea. Sean, let's take a step back. You co-created with another woman, with a woman, to have another mm-hmm. life come into this world, right? Like, you didn't create it, but you could have definitely, like, I didn't choose to have any kids, so I have no kids. So there's no creator that just has a kid with me. You know, it didn't happen. There's no immaculate conception with, with my ass. So you co-created what was, what was already created, right? Now, let's say someone <clears throat> co-creates with God in the way of a computer, and he makes an AI, and that AI becomes sentient. I can't see that as being not less or not more alive than I am. Yeah, I mean, that's your perspective. I would disagree. Like, even in, even in the book, it talks about the Nephilim that were created by loose Satan, and uh, his demons, or well, not demons, but his fallen angels, and they didn't have souls. And, and, okay, Genesis says the Elohim created man in their image and in their likeness. So the Elohim were gods, and we're just man, but now we're in their image and their likeness, and now we have our own set of awareness. So are we less than them? Of course we're less than them. Get out of here. Get the fuck out of here. No, we're not. We're just different. Create a universe. They didn't create a universe. Create a universe out of nothing. I create a universe in my mind every night, man. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. The universe doesn't exist if we don't look at it. One thing I'd kind of like to get back with. That's a theory. uh, What Sam was talking about, the AI, you know, it was a machine learning that was basically mimicking until it became self-aware at some point in time. And I don't know if I'm going to go and watch that series just to figure out what point in time that was, because uh, I find that interesting. But when he was talking about that, um, one of the things that I was thinking to myself is that that is really interesting because in a lot of ways, I think I see people kind of doing the same thing. Uh, there was a mobster back in the 30s that had a great quote, and I can't believe I can't remember this mobster's name, but he said, anything that, you know, all I am, I stole from somebody else. If 
if I saw you smoking a cigarette and I like the way that you smoke the cigarette, you know, like I started smoking my cigarette that way. And with so many people in society, I feel that they kind of do that. You know, everybody's heard that saying, monkey see, monkey do. So in in my mind, and and one thing that I've seen a lot, like in this kind of culture that, that we subscribe to or part of, but, you know, Carl Lentz came out and kind of blew what common law was a little wide open. And one thing that I saw a lot of people do was go into court and try and act like Carl and not going into court and just being themselves and being real with themselves and being who they were. They were trying to mimic somebody else. And I think that that is kind of a point of progression that everybody's on in their own journey of whatever you know we're doing here in the universe, being conscious of ourselves. But that is that everybody has this you know, feeling of of loneliness, of not being like everyone else. And at some point in time, most people kind of figure out who they are and they start doing their own thing. They start going their own way. They start marching to the beat of their own drum. And in my opinion, that's probably when they're becoming more self-aware or a psychological term for it would be self-actualization. And and I guess the question that I'm posing here is, are people self-aware before they kind of truly start to learn who they are inside themselves, what their own morals are, without being uh, told by society and having things subscripted or projected upon them? Um, you know, does anybody have an answer for that? Or what you guys I, think, I, man? <laughs> I agree with you. And, and, and like, um, to be honest, like a lot of people, um, like you're going to co-create cause you've created nothing. I agree with Sean. You, you create nothing. There's nothing that you take out of nothing and create something from everything that you have or you've created or you thought about is a set of your experiences that you build upon. So is there a set of experiences out of society or is there a set of experiences out of nature? Now, that's one of the things, like, so you say, like, most people have created themselves. Most people have created themselves out of what they've seen out of culture. And that's like a, a popular fashioning or fascism that they've created themselves out of. Like, I'm a hipster. I'm a hippie. I'm this. I'm that. I'm this. I'm that. And that comes with other people told you. Nobody, nobody's taking, uh, for lack of the terms, what the creator created and becoming that one with themselves and accepting that. That is a deficit that I see in society. If anybody wants to expunge on that, go ahead. Well, I mean, it's kind of interesting because I think last week or maybe the week before I was talking about, you know, I visited a friend of mine that I hadn't seen in 10 or 12 years. And uh, I saw him a couple of months ago. And, and when I saw him, he he said that I should know my stereotype. and And that kind of bothered me. And uh, he came down here, I think it was about a month ago. And when we got together, 
I was like, dude, you know, you you said I should know my stereotype. So I'm asking you, what is my stereotype? And he was like, well, that's for you to know, you know, kind of like know yourself. It was absolutely hilarious because I'd never met his brother before. And so that night when I took him over to his brother, his brother, uh, or he told his brother kind of like some of the things that I do and that I've done. And we're hanging out with this man in his shop and he's like, oh, so you're a sovereign citizen. I was like, no. He's like, oh, so you're getting prepared for the second American Civil War. And I was like, no. He's like, oh, so you're a 9-11 truther. And I was like, no. And and I kind of pointed out to my buddy, I was like, dude, this is what I was talking about. You know, because ever since I've been here, you know, your brother's shop for the past two hours, he's labeled me as seven or eight different stereotypes. And, and you know me pretty well, and none of those really apply to me. And what I was really asking my friend was, was what stereotype did he see me as? Um, and I've always kind of had the saying probably since I was 18 or 19, and everybody's heard like, nobody's perfect, right? Like people will say, nobody's perfect, you know? I'm not perfect, nobody's perfect. And whenever people used to say that to me, I'd say, that's BS because I'm perfectly me. Like you're never going to find another perfect me like I am. It's Thank just God. not going to happen. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we had this kid, okay? See, just like Sean perfectly interrupts me all the time. You got a real point there, though. Try and make you and another person. Yeah, I mean, it's just not going to happen. It's kind of like somebody trying to act like somebody else. See, what I was I was trying to say, like, um, a lot of stuff is conjecture, too, okay? Like, if you're pushing an agenda, there's a ton of people out there pushing um, I don't know, global warming or any ism or just religion even, you know. <clears throat> but when you take something like we'll just say AI, okay, there's an agenda there because if you can take and make people robotic, which is ultimately the goal, and you can program them to function in a certain capacity under a certain set of rules or pre-programmed uh, ideological approaches to life, religion, and or anything. And it's it's very self-evident. Like, you look back in history, there's nothing new under the sun, right? And you see the rise and fall of societies and the things that go on within them. And it's the same thing playing out over and over and over and over and over. So with the AI thing and even the creative aspect, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that we don't come up with stuff. And we may even think, you know, as a musician, people say, oh, man, I created this cool lick, man, or I came up with this lick, or, you know, you feel like you created this song. But to be honest, I have been driving down the road and wrote two pages of lyrics in under five minutes. They just poured out of me like it was from somewhere. It was like the universe already had it, and I just retched into the universe and pulled it out. Uh, I've written entire songs in one setting. It was just in my head. It was already there. Um, AI is much the same way. You know, they're going to create this computer, right? And they're going to give it mimicking abilities. Now, I'm not saying a computer 
like John and I have talked about quantum computers. I mean, that's way above my pay grade. Obviously, that computer can, is going to be able to do massive, massive things. But here's the question I would, I would propose, okay? How would one ever prove an, a computer was self-aware? Like, how would you prove it had feelings? And that was the interesting thing about the William character, like, I feel. So, like, you had this robot that was mimicking, or this computer program in the feminine that was mimicking, right? And then his eyes glowed blue, which I thought was interesting. And uh, all of a sudden, she felt. <laughs> okay, yeah, you caught the blue thing, too. So, the felt yeah. thing, okay? So, how, how would you ever prove that? It's all conjecture, and you, it's all sensationalism. How do you feel something? How do I prove I mean, it's self-evident. It's self-evident. It's not self-evident. I mean, I could be a scientist sure and say that, you know, you're just a figment of my information, and I'm the only you, one that feels. Yeah, you could. But it's, okay. I mean, that's so pretty obvious it's not so, but just follow my train of thought here. A computer, a machine. No, I, I metal. really am. And I mean, you're just metal. a computer. Metal, something... You're, Dude, you're, I'm not a computer and I'm not a machine. Your four proteins self producing. I understand okay, the so atom. If you want to break it down that. mechanically, we're Be all like, computers. Let me finish my thought. I'm sorry. So man, not being able to create, grabs something that was created and manipulates it. In other words, he's not the author. So you have the author of all things whatever you want to call them, Yahweh, whatever name you want to put. Uh, you know, it's, that's between you and that belief. But if you're not the author of something, you can't re... You, as, as a non-creator and a non-author or authority, you don't even have the authority to recreate it. And I'll tell you how simple to prove that it is. Go into the United States and try to re redefine a U.S. person. You don't have the authority to do that. So the, the lie throughout society since the Garden of Eden has been, I'm going to become as God. Satan's been doing that and using mankind to do that his whole life. You're going to be the same as God. No, we have attributes of God because we're made in his image. <clears throat> but at the same time, the maker is never going to make the creation. It's equal. It's just, it's not even, that's not even logical, even if you took the religion out of it. So I don't see how it's possible to take something that was never created to begin with and manipulate a soul into it, which that soul comes from the creator itself, because that is the image of the creator, which man and mankind is, man and woman. That's unique in the whole of creation. That doesn't mean animals don't have conscience, and it doesn't mean that a robot can't simulate that. But I just, in my personal belief, I don't see how man could have the authority or the scope of knowledge or the, where would you even go to collect that kind of energy? I mean, obviously a soul is energy. Like, nobody even knows where to go to find one. That's something you're given. So in my, in my opinion, I don't see how AI could ever rise to the level of understanding of man. It may, may be able to think faster at some point, but it's so far from that. The human brain is amazing. Um, and, the, and the other thing is, is how could it ever feel love? So 
those things, I mean, I think it's interesting, and I think the characters and the characterizations that they were portraying in the show, which is why I brought it up, because I thought it would spark a cool conversation. It did. I think they're great. I think they're great in theory, but not only do I think it's impossible, but I think it's a trap. I think if the other side, whoever they are, can convince you they can do that, can you imagine the control they could have over mankind? They would eliminate man, and that's been their goal all along. Yeah, look at that. And I yield before. Let me ask you some questions, though. Let me ask you some questions. Like, what what would, um, to you, like, what would love be? Like, if a computer sacrificed itself for the betterment of you, would that not be love? Yeah, that's absolutely a type of love. Okay. So, but would it feel why, that love? Um, I mean, that that would the be the difference. Same way you do, in the exact same way you do. I don't know. Um, yeah, the uh, question. I think. Yeah, but I got another question. Do you feel love the exact same way I do? See, I knew you were going to say it. somebody was going to say that. Boom. That's true. <laughs> well, I mean that's true, but I think what I'm saying is an action. So love is a verb. It's also a noun. So yeah, I think a robot. And it or also an comes object, from the word Jehovah. I think an inanimate object could absolutely do love, but I don't think it could feel it. How many different types of love are there? Like I, I love my car. I love my lady. I love my dogs. I love my nieces. Um, they might be fucking many different types of love. Oh yeah, I think so. I use the same. I use the same word to symbolize the emotion because it's close. Mm-hmm. But the feeling is definitely different. Like I'm not going to jump in front of a bus for my dog, but I will for my girl. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm just you saying. I yeah, I don't think a robot could <laughs> feel at all. Is what I'm saying. Okay. I think it could sense. I think it could sense. Okay. No, but I no, don't think on. it could feel. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Without your um, justification of what is feel and what is not feel, we have to go back to the term, what is feel? What, what determines what you think feel is? Well, I would Are say you asking me? Different oh, I'm things asking for, you. For feel, ahead, like you can feel something with your hand, like you can feel Don't let him texture. Off the hook, John. <laughs> ah, go ahead, Sean. <laughs> no, I mean it's that's. I mean again, that's a that's another self-evident question. I mean, there's many. That's why I threw in sense. Like I think you could program a, a robot to sense things um, through energy, movement, sound waves. Um, I mean, you want to go dark? You can program. You can program a human to sense well, pain you, you as a- fucking pleasure. Well, you asked me. You can- but what I'm saying is, is we're getting into, you know, what is love? Okay. I mean, some of these things are difficult. Now, what is love? What, what is that? Feeling? What was that? Uh, what was that? Uh, it goes deeper. Remember the movie um, Matthew McConaughey was in? Uh, daggone it, where he goes up to save the planet because it's dying and growing corn. What was that, John? Oh, uh, that was uh, Interstellar. Interstellar. Love Love was being uh, used in that capacity to reach across the galaxy. It's timeless 
There's no speed like it's instant. Um, what I'm saying is simple. And without going into all this, making it more complicated than it is, I don't think it's ever possible for AI to come to the point of a God power like love. And there's agape love, there's sexual love, there's friendship yeah, love, there's materialism love, and feel plays right into and, that. How could, how could and, an inanimate object feel? How does a rock feel? Oh, now you're talking about, um, like, what is that, uh, not pamspermia, pampsychism. I mean, you, if you... feel something? No. I don't, because a rock doesn't have a soul, man. Oh, come on. Rocks don't have souls. Trees don't have souls. Or, or all organisms, to me, have souls. So you're telling me... Yeah, well, I mean, you and I have soul. fundamental difference in beliefs. Yeah, I don't believe trees or rocks have souls. No, I don't. Because now you're putting them on the same level trees as the Trees don't have? Nope. No, no trees, have, trees take care of their young. Uh, the okay. mycelia rising or whatever, mycelia rising, mm-hmm. these, um, will determine who their genetic offspring is and give them more carbon, more nutrients, more whatever than the trees around them through the mycelia. The, the is that instinct or is it consciousness? What is instinct and consciousness? I mean, you got to... I asked you. Well, well, I'm hey, asking you. Hey, can I, can I step in here for a minute? Sure. So, and and this is no. just to kind kind of throw <laughs> in my own two cents, but you know, for instance, like Sean, let me ask you this: like, let's say the trees don't have soul. Do do you believe that they have a spirit, like a spiritual no. essence or a spiritual energy? Uh, you're gonna have to define that a little tighter for me. Okay. I think they have character. I think they have character. Wait a minute. Hold on. Effect? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so so I'm just gonna go to Webster's 1828, and this this is one of the things like, and, and sometimes people in my See, opinion Stan, kind of be saying the same yeah, thing like, in a different way. Stan, yeah, here's he here's the deal. Fundamentally, you and I have a completely foundationally different viewpoint, and I don't think in the manner in which we're going about it. It's going to be, I wouldn't say conflictual, but we're coming at it from two total different perspectives. <laughs> I, I absolutely believe that mankind is unique above all other created things. And, I, and, I and Jesus Christ did not die for a rock. But at the same and time, man is called Jesus stones in the Bible. Earth. Yeah, I know. So there's the fundamental difference. See, I, like my, in my mind, the creator created all this stuff and then made man different and put him above creation to be have dominion and that's even the kind of the foundation of common law that's why we are like god but we are not god we're leaders but we're not rulers we're not supposed to be rulers and every time man tries to rule something he screws it up but men make great leaders but they always lead by what example where do they get the example from outside themselves? you got to have something higher than yourselves. You have to have some kind of absolute foundation, some kind of absolute right and wrong. Law of gravity, absolute. 
Okay. Uh, there's like, certain math. Sean, 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 hold on, hold on. Sean, hold on. You're getting like way off. Like we're just no, I'm not. About, like trees. Okay, we're just talking about yeah, trees I know. And bushes right now. Okay. Yeah, on. but if you listen to what I'm saying, I'm absolutely talking about trees and bushes. You just got to listen okay, to what I'm ahead. saying. I just said, man is above all those things. There's no way a tree has a soul like a man. And it's plain to see because you don't see trees going around forming courts, building sure cars, writing sure songs. Do. Well, I don't, sure I don't do. see any trees building cars. Okay. Trees adapt themselves so that their thorns go on to uh, deers. And as deers roll by, they bring the seeds further away. They have a consciousness. No less or they have instinct of something that was pre-programmed. Yeah, so do you. So there's no... There's uh, no, no, you have free will. Without, listen, without the fucking trees, we don't exist, man. Well, that ain't got nothing to do with what we're talking about, brother. Yes, it does. You know, what, what I'm trying no, to no. say is you're in this false dominion that you rule the earth or man rules the earth. Man don't rule anything. As soon as the earth wants man gone, they'll create a virus or they'll <clears throat> poison the crops or they'll do whatever. The earth will do whatever it wants to take man out of the equation. Right so you now, say earth is conscious? I guarantee you earth is conscious. All okay, how can organisms you prove? are conscious. Prove it. Because and because and do me a favor. Do me another favor. You pr- yeah, go ahead. Don't place me in categories without asking me first. You started it. You just did that with the whole ruler thing. You started I, it. I didn't. I said man you can't rule. It. Hey, 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 hey. Let Let's calm down here for a second, and uh, you know, kind of get some bearings. So I'm gonna I'm gonna rewind this conversation a minute because <laughs> if we if we go. To Are you playing judge? Uh, well, I'm playing. I umpire. accept your authority. Go ahead. <laughs> Uh, so if we go back to to spirit and soul like uh and i'll say that to some degree like i agree with with sean on this and that is because if we go back to say webster's 1828 you know a soul is the spiritual rational and immortal substance in man okay so and and i actually say this a lot but um you know everything has has spirit in my opinion and this is where i agree with stan is is in my opinion trees rocks the air it all has spirit but soul is something that's kind of reserved for man in my opinion and in my beliefs and when we go to the hey john can i clarify something real quick if you remember correctly i agreed oh hold on no let stan hold on a second brother um, if you remember correctly, I said character. I said things can have character, which is my definition of spirit. Remember, you said sometimes people are saying the same thing in a different way. Yeah. I just want to clarify. That's what I meant by character. So, and then we go to spirit, and and Webster's eighteen twenty eight says primarily wind, air, and motion, hence breath, and that is one of the things like uh, spirit came from wind and uh back like in ancient ancient egyptian times like uh they would believe that the spirit left at a man's last breath you know like when he quit breathing the spirit was gone um animal excitement or the effect of it life fire courage elevation um 
you know, so these are kind of things that that show that spirit is kind of different and and anything that is alive, in my opinion, has has spirit. Now, getting back to whether we'll just say the Amazon because the Amazon's on fire. Um, does it feel? Uh, yeah, yeah. And and uh, there are there are things like now that we can kind of map say the mind so one of the questions earlier was you know if if a robot gave its life for you to live you know is that a form of love and when you think about it it's like go and watch irobot and of course robots give their lives for people and i don't know if it's necessarily love but it's definitely a programming it's it's pre-programming um, one of the things that I'm going to post up is, is if you know where the word robot comes from, robot literally comes from, uh, from Czech ro robota, like R-O-B-O-T-A, and it means forced labor or slave labor. So I think that's kind of interesting in the context of this conversation um, because people for the most part, have been robots most of history. They've always been kind of forced labor. Society has always had people kind of be cogs in a will. Uh, when you look at the existentialism that society and TV, and I'm sure that Netflix show is kind of projecting onto people, you know, it's it's that we're a cog and a wheel. And I'm sure that one of the reasons they're coming out with so much stuff where it's like you see people interacting with AI is, is because it's programming. They're getting the next generation used to having these type of relationships, having these types of interactions. Um, Money Mike actually brought up kind of a point which was brought up in the matrix and and some other things that talk about ai and the evolution of ai and that is uh do, would ai have property rights you know because i would say that if if artificial intelligence had property rights then that would kind of show that at least from a legal standpoint man would consider artificial intelligence almost equal to itself because man has property rights uh, nothing else on the planet has property rights besides man and when you're thinking about that you don't really have to look real far you can just go over to saudi arabia and look at the artificial intelligence called sophia which has rights to money and finances and accounts and that is a form of property um, I don't know if Sophia could actually buy a $12.5 million mansion and just have all of her little artificial intelligent babies running around buying their Bitcoin and playing, you know, chess and uh, what's, <laughs> what's that uh, game, the Go, the Chinese Go, playing, you know, Go against each other. <laughs> uh, but it does have a, a form of property. So, so these are kind of interesting interesting concepts and it's like sean was talking about uh can can a robot feel and and i also understand where stan is coming from because when you look at our own feelings uh they, they are fairly programmable um 
And in fact, when you look really deeply at it, it's like, for instance, what is love and what is the feeling of love without oxytocin going off in your brain? Could you feel love without oxytocin going off in your brain? Because neuroscience would say that you can't. Okay, and it would say that that you're very likely to be psychopathic or sociopathic if you have very depleted levels of oxytocin or dopamine in your body, then you would, on a physiological level, be unable to feel certain things. And and Stan, like when you were asking about feeling, what is feeling? What what does it mean to feel? You know, I, I've spent a lot of time thinking about this. So kind of one of the things that I was going to start talking about was that there are different types of feelings. Like you can feel texture. Uh, taste is a feeling. Smell is a feeling, you know. And, and the feeling that I believe that you were trying to express was an emotional feeling. Uh, uh, would that be fair to say? Yes, it's determined to the person feeling it. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was talking to Stan because he was kind of asking what, you know, what a feeling is like. How how would someone define feeling? And and I'm trying to define if, it for him, so I'm just wishing to, answer, to clarify. I would say the the um, the specific feeling of like oxytocin or dopamine or adrenaline. Like the difference between fear and excitement is perspective. Like, so somebody can get on the side of a fucking uh, bridge and be ready to jump off with the bungee cord and somebody is like scared to death and the next person is like, yeah, let's do this. So the difference between love is the same thing. It's something that I would like to sustain. That's all love is to me. Something that I'm extensional to. I love this. I wish this to keep going. If love was love and it was just complete, there would be no child dying in Africa. There would be no person living less than the person above them. That would be like a perfect love. There's no such thing. There's just things we're extensional to. So when, when, you, when you talk about it in that way, there's no perfection to it. There's no this um, truncated, high-end, God says this or that, it's personal to everybody. And you need to look at it as personal to you and personal to the next person and then grow it in that way. What do you want to be extensional to? Most people I would want like to be to. extensional. Sean, hold on. Most people just want to be extensional to the things that are right in front of them. I want my uh, Corvette. I want my house in the fucking Philippines. I want this. I want that. This is what I love and they don't grow it outside of themselves. Now, when you talk about an AI having the same kind of feeling, they're probably not going to have the same kind of thing that you call love. They're going to see things in a more open way. They're going to say, well, why isn't this guy and why isn't that guy? This guy's well, like, I got title. I'm fucking count of this facility in Germania, Germany. And I am just a popper over here, union guy working his ass off. And so, like, 
the difference between a human set of like what matters and what a computer sees as what matters is they're like, well, this guy really isn't worth shit. And this guy actually produces in society. So the computer is going to probably love or be extensional towards the thing that actually produces more in society. The the thing that actually um, makes a difference for the lights being on and the fridge being cold and, you know, your apple coming to your supermarket, they're going to see things in a different way and give resources to a different thing. And that's scary in society. To me, that's not scary. That just makes me reevaluate what my self-worth is. So if you want to talk about soul or not soul, I would call that more soul than most people have walking around. No, I'm done. Please go ahead. I was just going to say, to have an imperfect love, somewhere there must be a perfect starting point. For something to degrade, it has to come from something upgrade. Um, At some point, there is perfect love, although I don't believe that exists in man because man has a fallen nature, and ego and selfishness and greed get in the way. And another thing I find interesting, and you're going to throw it back at me, and that's fine, because you're going to say, how can I do the same thing? But there's a lot of absolutes that seem sometimes to be said by a lot of people. There is no such thing as perfect love. There is no ordered God love. And I'm paraphrasing you a little, but that's a pretty large statement to make without any evidence of same. Um, and you're going to say, well, how do you know there is? And that's a fair, that would, and I'm putting words in your mouth, but that would be a fair question to ask me. Um, but in my opinion, just like when you start in a line of 20 kids and you tell them a a perfect story at the beginning, by the time you get to the end, it's going to be screwed up in, in 15 different pieces for love to be perfect or imperfect. I mean, you'd have to have a starting point of perfection. Um, one plus one is two is perfect. You couldn't have a, a universe without that perfect math without those perfect arrangements. Um, things are ordered. You're talking about the, but, like grand architect shit, right? Um, well, you can call it that if you wish. But my point is, is for everything to be broken as it is, there had to be a point where it wasn't. And, you know, and then this, this is where we get into some of the, you know, the, the fundamental differences in ideological approaches or religious approaches or whatever you want to call them. And that's fair. Everybody's going to have their own opinion. And and that is what mine is. It's an opinion. But uh, based upon evidences in my own life where you can see a starting point and then you can see why that would have been degraded. And I always call it the golden thread through history and some of the reasons I believe the way I do, and 99% of Christendom would call me a heretic because of the way I believe. But um, I do believe what I believe. And I just think, it's to me, it's very obvious that there's a creator. Uh, all of mankind kind of marches to his beat in one way or another, but at the same time, it's been tainted because man is in constant rebellion to those absolutes. They always want to be their own god or create their own little arena or set of rules, which is exactly what the legal society is doing, and they're literally turning law on its face. And legal is the antithesis or the 
enmity with law in a lot of situations and is progressively degrading. Again, you start with the perfection of law, and now here we are at legal where basically they side with the bad guy against a man or a woman who is right because they don't wish to ascribe to an absolute right or wrong because of greed or imperfect love. And I would say that tainted love that you speak of, that imperfect love, is selfishness and ego. And I yield the floor. Have you ever heard of the uh, Prometheus principle or the Lucifer principle? Yeah, I'm familiar with both. But are you ascribing, that's funny because John and I had this same debate, are you saying Lucifer as Satan or different? Well, no, Lucifer is not Satan. He's never been called okay. Satan. Okay, I just wanted to make sure a lot of people think he is. So I just yeah, wanted to make no. sure that we... Okay. Yeah, I don't think he is okay, either. Let's, so. let's, let's use a different word. And the better word is probably Prometheus. Everybody likes Prometheus because he gave fire to man, right? Fire to man, yep. Okay, so Prometheus gave fire to man, and the gods were pissed at Prometheus for giving fire to man. Like, why were they pissed at Prometheus for giving fire to man? Same reason they'd probably be pissed at him for giving atomic energy to man. Because we we have, like, an unjust um, way of using the powers that we're given. Now, we have this kind of deal because of the, um, I, don't, I don't know what to call it, like, upbringing or, like, uh, dominance culture that we live in, like the, the use that we see, like, of course, everybody just wants like good free energy, like da, 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 with atomic energy. But like, um, if we can dominate the rest of the world while doing it and like steal their resources, why not be an atomic power at the same point? Okay. This kind of thing, I don't think is going to be a problem with AI. And I think it's actually going to help us. Like, I I feel that you have, like, a big fear of transhumanism. You know know transhumanism? Yeah, I was just, I was actually just thinking of that language that the computer was writing and that nobody understood and they had to shut it down because it was plotting. (laughs) But what was it plotting? Tra- Traveler One has has their hand raised, so I'm gonna unmute Traveler Let's One. Let's do that for sure. Uh, Traveler One, you are unmuted, brother. Good evening. Good uh, evening. To maybe see if evening. I can add to this uh, conversation. So everybody has their own direction. But, um, have you ever heard of the pineal gland? Never. Yeah. Sure. In the, the book of Enoch, supposed to be the only man to face God, but in the he book, faced an angel, and they called it Peniel. Well, he faced an angel at the shore of Peniel. It could be an angel, spirit, a soul. Yeah, it could be any of this. He wrestled with them all night. He fought. He popped his hip out the socket. And then yeah, he, he fought Jesus Christ. Go. 
He fought Jesus Christ and, and won. No, Sawyer was the only man to ever see God. And I believe, my belief is that he saw it through the pineal gland, which exists in our bodies. Well, the pineal gland is like the third eye that exists in your in your uh, the brain. Gland is the pineal glands in the middle of your brain. And it has yeah, it's in the middle of your forehead. It has I think it's connected to the spirit. Yeah, I, I it's also represented by a pine cone. Correct. The Vatican's got a giant one in the foreground there. Yep. Anyway, I just wanted to add that in. I think it should be. Your whole body will fill with light. I'm sorry. Hey, hey, that actually kind of brings up an interesting question for me, and that is, uh, you know, I I agree that, uh, you know, robots or artificial intelligence may even be able to become conscious. I agree that they could probably be programmed to to feel love. Uh, they could probably be programmed to act with emotion as as somebody who's who's getting oxytocin in their body, but the pineal gland is an interesting thing because that's that's a fairly biological thing and i agree with this gentleman i do believe that the pineal gland is a a way of commune with with whatever created all of us so it robotically speaking do you think there's a way that robots could have a pineal gland what if we made a robot that ran on the same chemicals we do. Would you have a problem with it? I mean, like, what if you reproduced a human in the lab that ran on oxytocin, adrenaline, um, serotonin, dopamine? Like, if it ran on the same things we do, would you say it had a soul? Is that a question for me? It's for the floor. Does it have a pineal gland? <laughs> Yeah, it has a pineal gland. We put a pineal gland in it. There's piezochromatic increments in the fucking pineal gland, and it can't produce light by pressures. You know, like I, I would actually agree with this gentleman because I, I, I for one agree that the pineal gland is is how man, woman, people commune uh, with the creator. So. I would say that, yeah, if you had some type of biomechanical or even just biological um, creation that had the ability to transmit and receive information, you know, to the universal source, you know, the creator, spirituality, whatever you believe God to be, then I would say, yeah, that, that okay, probably would have a Okay, there was this movie, fall. 2001. And when he's taking the, um, there's Hal, and Hal's this artificial intelligence. He's taking the um, discs or whatever you call it out of Hal. And Hal says, I see what you're doing. Um, I'm going to die. Am I going to dream? Uh, is that consciousness? I mean, is, is, it, is it the consciousness without the body? I mean, is, is the computer right? 
am I going to be conscious without this, what's here? I mean, is that what we're talking about? I mean, that's kind of like asking, am I going to be conscious after I pass away? Sure. Or when you close your eyes at night. When, like, I can snap my fingers around you, you don't do anything, yet there's a whole consciousness going on. And, yeah, they can say there's things firing in the brain, but there's obviously going on. Like, you go to sleep for 10 seconds, you wake up, and you're like, man, I lived a life. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I mean, you know, like you're you're talking about snapping a finger around my head when I'm sleeping, and there have been plenty of times where uh, I've been asleep and things have been going on around me, and even though I wasn't conscious and aware of it, you know, I knew what was kind of going on around me, or or everybody, I think almost everybody's had this dream, I'm not going to say everybody's had this dream, but I feel like a lot of people have had that dream where you know, their alarm clock is going off and and before their alarm clock starts going off and, and they wake up, you know, in their dream, they know that that's about to happen. Like what's happening on the outside of the world can affect what your experience is in that dream state. Biological you're still conscious of the things around weird, you. Biological clock is a very weird thing to talk about. Because is that within or is that without your consciousness? Like, I have a biological clock. I wake up before my alarm like five minutes. Like, I set my alarm. I wake up five minutes before. It's the bane of my existence. Like, I'm like, good God, I could have had five more minutes to sleep. But I always wake <laughs> up before my alarm. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's like, is that me that's doing it, my consciousness, or is it my body knowing that I have to do something? Is, is, is it outside of me? And I think it's outside of me. Like, I think my biological clock, like, there's something outside of me. Because, like, what is it, like, nine-tenths of your body isn't even your own cells? It's all bacteria. Half to, I don't know, half to nine-tenths, whatever it is. It's more than half. Your, I, I don't think it's it's nine cents because your body is what seven eight parts water, like mm. seventy or eighty percent of your body. It's eighty percent, I think. Yeah. You know, and I think it's really interesting that you know seventy five to eighty percent of your body's water, and then if you look at the Earth, seventy five to eighty percent of the Earth's surface is water. Well, and man's made from the Earth, right? Hey, I. I'd like to bring up another point about the AI just to kind because of, I was kind of really being more general. But also, it's essentially what I'm saying is they're trying to make the AI equal with man and that it's going to achieve manhood and that man's going to transcend. And they're basically they're trying to make them equal. Like, <clears throat> there's never going to be a time that a robot is going to have sex with another robot and create and co-create. We'll say that for the sake of the argument. Another one. This is not going to happen. I, I think you're wrong. And it, it turns out to be about 46.7% of your cells are not yours. Well, if they're on they you. don't hold your DNA. That's what it is. Okay, you have so much, so much water, so much nitrogen, so much whatever, but the cells that are you. 
I guess, or not you. That's the average what I've been finding. So half of you isn't even you. You're just, you're just a planet with other things growing on you. We're all made of stardust, right? <laughs> uh, you know, I'm out of here with that. <laughs> <laughs> well, kind Don't of like. Don't make me go hey, to Tesla and Eric Dollard. <laughs> hey, Sean. One one thing about what you just said about robots having sex and and creating another robot. One thing that robots will do for sure. Like one thing AI will do for sure is intercourse with other AI and create new sure. ai you know like like that's something they keep shutting that's, them down because of that that that's something that's basically going to be unstoppable i mean uh even with computer chips like i don't think an actual human being or man has has designed or um engineered a computer chip since like 1998 and it's just because the parts of it are so small you know, it's kind of incomprehensible. Like a transistor today is only seven nanometers wide. You know what I mean? Like that's incomprehensible to, to most people to Which think is, about. But you got to remember that's huge considered the Planck length, which information length is. That's huge. I mean, that's like from here to the next star compared to like one centimeter uh, yeah but if you if you lined up atoms individually to get seven nanometers you would only have about 35 atoms okay but the Planck length which they say information breaks down between units that's huge just because you say atoms atoms are nothing and then you go beyond atoms and you go to like quarks you go to glutons and whatever they are in quarks and then they have to break down, and they have to break down, and they have to break down to where Planck length is. And that's, um, uh, was Albert Planck, or fucking whatever his name, Planck, said this is where the infinitesimal is. And I guarantee you it's smaller than what he thought. It might not be, um, what do they call it, uh, binary, um, on and off. It might not be lengths of whatever, on and off. Uh, it might be, um, I'm sorry, can you help me out here? What's the different ways of saying things? One is um, a variable that's infinite, and one's a one and zero. One's binary, and one's, like you've seen the problem. Um, or in a thermometer. Anyway, it might it might be on and off at one point, but we can't tell what that is. And the closest we can come with is plain length. And plain length is like one centimeter to like a hundred light years. So an atom is like a hundred light years long. And one plain length, what we call um what reality is like when we talk about like skipping of time where a particle comes in and out of existence is called a Planck length. So these principles of like quantum technology and quantum physics is not permanent. And it's so small that we can't compute it. 
And it's probably a lot smaller than what we can compute. I'm sorry, I mean, there was, a, there was a philosopher way back in, in Greek times, and he was basically saying that if there's infinite bigness, there must be infinite smallness. You know, and, like said, it, you, and they said, you're bullshit. And he said, I'll have to distance to that wall. And I'll have to distance to that wall. And I have to distance to that wall. And I'll infinitely have to distance to that wall. And you can never reach the wall as long as I have to distance to it. So he said, through mathematics, I can show you what infinity is. And he says, if I can show you what infinity is small by halving the distance to the wall, I can show you what infinity is big by doubling it. Same guy, right? I don't know his name either. Uh, yeah, I mean, that, that sounds pretty similar to the concept. Um, you know, yeah, I, I don't remember his name because I studied that philosophy back in probably ninth or 10th grade. Uh, whenever I got into philosophy and world history, I was hooked. <laughs> I was like, give me some philosophy books. <laughs> so Man, anyways, love but, Sophia. right? Yeah, I mean, that's why that's why they actually named her Sophia is because, you know, Sophia's the love of knowledge. Uh, well, actually, that's philosophy but sophia's knowledge sophia is wisdom mm, wisdom and knowledge sophia means the love of wisdom that is correct i love wisdom <laughs> <laughs> do you check it on the internet you asshole <laughs> do what <laughs> no i'm, I'm not checking it on the internet <laughs> <laughs> so but Anyways, uh, I did announce at the beginning of the show, I don't know how many people were actually listening at that moment because there were just a couple of people on, but uh, Shaman and I actually have to help some people who have a, a very pressing court issue and some things have to get out tomorrow. So we were going to cut it short this evening so that we can probably get to bed before 1 or 1.30 in the morning. Um, Anyways, we will be doing another uh, Common Law Wise Words September 4th. So that is one week from today on September 4th, 9 p.m. We will be right here. I'd like to go ahead and take this moment and thank everybody who came out tonight and for all of the support. Without, you know, without the listeners, we wouldn't have a show. <laughs> and I'll take a moment to where all of the guests can can say their piece if they wish or or uh you know tell the computers quit watching them whatever they want to do <laughs> and i yield the floor. And JC, i love you guys i am very glad that you're out doing what you're doing you're doing a very special thing for man and um anytime i can i'll be on yes sir it's good to have you out tonight it's it's been a couple of weeks Yes, it has. And on that Traveler note, guess, One or, or Shaman? I just say <laughs> thanks. Got anything you wish to say? Just thanks. Good night. Spread the love.
Uh, yes, sir. And uh, thank you, Stan, for coming out. We love you, too. And uh, hopefully you won't be too busy next week. And hopefully everybody will come out next week and join us again. Uh, we appreciate everybody who comes out here and supports us in our endeavors. And love you all and have a good night. And we will be back on Wednesday, the 4th of September. All right, you guys do good work. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.